Welcome to Omalort, Chicago history you never learned in school. I am joined by Vanessa Murray from the podcast Real Relationships. How are you? I am absolutely wonderful today. We're starting to finally get some fall-like weather here in Houston, and it's been quite enjoyable. I'm in Chicago where we've had a schizophrenic weather okay. pattern. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was like 80 degrees two weeks ago, and then it yeah. dropped down to the 30s, and then it was warm, and apparently next week it's supposed to be in the 60s to 70s again. Yes. Okay. Yeah, similar year. On Thursday, we had record-breaking heat for November, and then the next day, cloudy, rainy, cold. So same kind of thing. It's a little unpredictable. Yes, to say the least. I listened to your Ferris Bueller episode. Okay, fantastic. And all I could think of is I had some kids as passengers over the summer. Okay. And I pointed out this is the building where Ferris Bueller's dad worked. Yes. Oh, and, okay. And some kid was like, what's a Ferris Bueller? Oh, I weep for the future. And then they asked if it was a band. Ah. Oh. Wow. That child's parents failed them. They did. They did on many levels. No, but wasn't there a band called Save Ferris? There was a band called okay. Save Ferris, but I doubt okay. that the kid that didn't know what Ferris Bueller was yeah. or who Ferris Bueller was wow. know about the band Save Ferris. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Wow. Oh, terrible. It was, yeah. And on that note, Yes. Uh, after last week's brutal episode about the yes. 1919 race riots, we're going to be bringing some lighter fare today. Looking forward to it. How do you feel about chewing gum? Oh, I'm partial to chewing gum. In fact, we have a bag of chewing gum. It's called a grenade because it's very minty and it feels like a mint grenade exploded in your mouth. So I'm, yeah, love chewing gum. I am much more of a mint person myself. Okay, yes. And since COVID, okay. I can't even really be with bubbles or gum cracking. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's a whole thing because it's yeah. like to see that like your saliva is just out in the air. But that's maybe. Yeah. Yeah. To start our story, we have okay. William J. Wrigley. He started in the East Coast selling soap for his father's company throughout New England. And he started this at age 13. Okay. So he's uh, basically a door-to-door -door soap salesman. Or a business-to-business -business soap salesman. But okay. he's selling soap in New England. And okay. in... 1891, this year is a little, there's been different reports, but I'm going to go with 1891. At the age of 29, he made his way to Chicago, peddling rubber stamps, newspapers, and of course, soap. Okay. He was known as a drummer, which defined by dictionary.com is a commercial traveler or traveling sales representative. Wow. So, the origin of drumming up business. Oh, 
I love that. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm putting those two things together. Yes. But I'm going to assume back in 1891 that door-to-door salesmen were perceived as grifters. I would think so, because that was peak, like, snake oil salesmen peddling just about anything door-to-door. And yeah, not that I miss it, but we sure don't see door-to-door salesmen anymore. No one would answer the door for them. No. Yeah. And and in fact, someday I'm going to do an episode on the 1893 World's Fair. But just know that this was a magnet for grifters, criminals, and broken toys. Absolutely. Wow. I I think you're going to have a multi-part episode on the World's Fair. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the first episode I did, which is on Mickey Finn, he came here for the World's Fair. There was another guy who founded a town called Zion, Illinois, who came here as a healer for the World's Fair. Oh, and God. it eventually became a theocr- theocracy for flat earthers. Oh, okay. Like it was, <laughs> yeah, the World's Fair. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. There's a dollop episode about the yeah. guy who came here the flat earther he wasn't so yeah. much a flat earther as to what like the person who there was a coup it's a yeah. crazy story wasn't yeah it, wasn't it also it was like the hollow earth or is that different i don't remember that okay okay i don't remember that i i learned about this guy in kelly Weil from daily beast has a flat earther book okay and i was it was a crazy story I, but yeah, yeah. That was just a time when all of these old-timey yes. grifters just flocked to Chicago. Wow. All right. Not to mention, spoiler alert, a serial killer. <laughs> yes, H.H. H. Holmes, also yes. a grifter. Yes, very much like insurance and stuff. Yeah, also, I can't remember when I decided to be talking to my dad. I'm like, he was like the gold salesman before you had a gold salesman. Yes. H. H. Holmes. Yes. Oh. But Mr. Wrigley was a drummer. <laughs> right. He was a drummer. And okay. being a drummer, it forced him initially to operate on the edges of normal culture. Okay. But, which made him become what we would now call, a, in business, a disruptor. Oh, okay. Okay. So he pivoted from soap to... So his thing was he would always add a component of a free gift with purchase okay oh so so he had soap and then he would include baking powder and then the baking powder became more popular than the soap so <laughs> he then shifted to baking powder okay. and included gum as a free gift with purchase oh oh whoa okay got it okay and i'm not going to get into the details about gum i'm throwing it in the show notes there's a lot of technical history about gum but it is not gum as we know it now okay and eventually like a drug dealer lacing candy on halloween (laughs) yes that totally happens what (laughs) totally happens (laughs) in this case though he's actually gets everyone hooked on the gum yes wow was it like the old-timey like coca-cola recipe that had like cocaine in it was he drugging it or was it just no like that good it and was novel it was that good in that novel wow okay and 
the idea stuck, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. At first, he focused on the retailer and not the consumer. He noted that gum was an impulse purchase, so he established checkout placement that's hated by every parent with a toddler yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. He, he was the disruptor in that sense. Oh, oh, you just wait. Okay, I'm holding on to my butt. <laughs> so he introduced Juicy Fruit at the, eight, the 1893 World Fair. We were just talking about Juicy Fruit. Like yesterday, we were just talking about Juicy Fruit. It's been around since 1893. Okay, noted. And in... 1907, we went into a little bit of a recession, and financial worries caused advertising rates to drop. So he was able to purchase a lot of marketing. Okay. He mortgaged everything to do an ad buy of $2,500. Okay. I did not look at what that was by today's standards, but we're going to go with a lot. Yeah. Because within three years, the company went from $170,000 to over $3 million. That's over $7.5 million today. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And Spearmint was the top selling gum in the world. Wow. He covered the country with billboards and newspaper advertisements. Okay. Because this is, a, and what's yeah. interesting is it's an emerging, that's an emerging market at the time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And like billboards even then were still such a new concept because we hadn't gotten the interstate system yet. People were fairly limited to where they could travel but if you saw a billboard it was something it was like nothing you'd ever seen before wow he is on the cutting edge of yeah. marketing in the early 1900s wow the 1907 crash taught him though that he couldn't rely on the impulse purchases okay so he set out to sell it as a need like gum is a need uh, okay he's focusing on the physical and mental benefits these little sticks of sugar could relieve stress clean teeth <laughs> stop overeating and even ease a sore throat oh okay i was waiting for <laughs> the uh, medicinal benefits of gum <laughs> yes all right nobody's talking then about it makes your breath better. No, because what, was it Listerine? They didn't like invent halitosis, but they made it seem like bad breath was like the worst, absolute worst thing that could happen to you. I am completely paranoid about having bad breath. Yes. Okay. In fact, I actually, I have, because it's morning here now, and I thought about brushing my teeth before we did this. And I'm like, what about my breath? And I'm like, I'm doing a podcast. Oh. And I do, though, on the medicinal yes. purposes, do have some personal antidotes here. Okay. I was a weekly allergy shot kid. Oh, wow. Okay. And I had, 
allergies beget ear infections and sinus infections. Okay. And from time to ease the pain, my doctor would tell me to chew gum. Oh, oh, okay. Yes. I think it works for an ear. Like there's different ear infections you can get. I know way too much. I can't converse about ear infections, but there's an internal knowledge about it. Yes. And I know chewing gum when you are, like when you travel, when you fly, if you're chewing gum as you're landing, it helps your ears pop. Yes. Mm -hmm. And also, when I was in high school, I experienced some, shall we say, bowel inactivity. Uh, Okay. Yes. Okay. And my doctor told me to chew specifically extra gum, a Wrigley offering, until until the moment the flavor ran out and then start to chew another piece. Oh, man. So you were basically the gum version of the people who light a cigarette and then have another one lit for when they finish. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And this might seem absurd, as absurd as Wrigley's claims. Okay. But- in my case, it's supported by science. I found a 2008 writer's headline that reads, Too much sugar-free gum linked to bowel problems. Uh, it makes oh sense. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. yeah. But it's, what, what did they do to us? What did they do to us? I know. When you tell people your gum could be a laxative. Yeah. Because the doctor doesn't want to give a 16-year-old girl laxatives. Because, like, I mean. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I just, no, it, it, I mean, okay. It, it just, it goes so well with an early 1900s radio advertisement. Ah, yeah. You a little constipated? Nah, take some gum. <laughs> yes. It just sounds like that. It sounds so ridiculous. And I yes. remember I had to get a doctor's note because I went to a school. I assume this is most schools where you're not allowed to chew yes. gum. Yeah. And I have to chew gum like I'm fiending for flavor, <laughs> which, by the way, let's be real. Extra has five minutes of flavor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and trying to people look at you like you're nuts because you're like, yes. yeah. First of all, no one really wants to talk about the fact that they're constipated. Yes. No. Yeah. Again, I'm so I'm not the health ranger. Okay. So, yeah. I'm not going to list the possible medicinal purposes of gum, but I will listen to my doctor when he tells me to chew gum. Now, I don't know if this is coming up, but do you swallow your gum or do you spit it out? There's also that other nonsense that it takes seven years for gum to like dissolve in your system. I do swallow my gum. Okay, I do too. I'm the, the other thing about gum is I'm not a good gum chewer. Okay. My mom always said it, I was I chew gum like I'm a cow chewing a cud. Oh god. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I'm not a good gum chewer. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. So by 1915, mm-hmm. Wrigley realized or asserted if people could afford a telephone, they could afford a pack of gum. Okay, but wasn't this in the days when, like, we would rent our phones from the phone company? We'll get into the okay. changes that happened with phones a little okay. bit in a minute. Okay. He got a U.S. telephone book. So 
I tried to look into this. I'm assuming okay. that it's a telephone book for every telephone in America. In 1915, you had, what, 50 numbers? <laughs> he mailed a pack of gum to every address listed in it. And it was 1.5 million households. Whoa. Whoa. He would send packs for kids' birthdays because apparently, I must, from what I can tell, that information was also listed in the phone book, which is creepy. Yeah. It's like in the old days when they would list like people's address. Right. Yeah. They did. They did. Yeah. yeah. I did a little bit of research into the telephone book and we might have some young listeners so this might them they might be like what the heck is a telephone book yes i found a saturday evening post article that i'm going to quote once it was the all-important guide to the city phone companies distributed their books everywhere with a thoroughness that even the gideons would admire it was the progenitor of search engines, your sole guide to the virtual world of telephones. It was how you found the number for muffler shops, the sanitation department, and that girl in your chemistry class. Every home and business received one updated copy every year, which was kept close by telephones, which in those days were leashed to the wall. By the time a directory was replaced, it would be dog-eared and tattered, be scribbled and bedoodled. That's such a great word, bedoodled. I know. I could <laughs> I couldn't find a better way to describe this. Yes. It's also interesting because we know that Elon was on the cutting edge of what is now the search for telephone numbers. Yes. It's just yeah. Yeah. The article goes on to say, by 1910, America's telephone books were keeping track of 7 million phone numbers. Directories became even more important when automatic switching became widespread a few years later, allowing callers to find a number and dial their party directly without help from an operator. We forget that there was a time that people would just pick yes. up the phone and opera would have to like, connect like the whole you. thing. Yes. That's the whole thing with the last episode we did <laughs> was the tunnels were built for the flood yes. for phones you could dial on your own. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> wow. It's nuts to think about. Uh -huh. Yeah. Again, cutting edge stuff here. Yes. More and more people got phones. So his mailing list flourished and by 1919 his list contained seven million addresses wow he all that created, in 12 years yeah he created direct marketing oh that's exactly what it is Whoa. it's direct mail marketing oh wow and i guess now we know it is junk mail but yeah yeah <laughs> As I, my next thing is, thanks to junk mail, the company yeah. went public next that year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, amazing. It's, this story is just, I was like gum because I wanted yeah. to do something, but there's some other more, also more amazing 
turns we're going to take here. Okay, wonderful. In 1920, he was asked what his strategy was for his success, and he responded, quote, tell him quick and tell him often, end quote. Ah. Wow. So advertising now. Yeah. Because how often do we see like the same commercial and it's, okay, fine, I'll go out and buy that doohickey that I didn't know I needed. I watch Freebie. It's the only time I get advertisements. I love it. Yes. But it's the same advertisement mm-hmm. on a loop. Yes. Yeah. People were chewing 105 sticks of gum a year on average. Okay. So 105. So like that's one every three days. <laughs> I didn't okay. do that. I just looked at the population, which was yeah. 106,021,537 people. So that is over 11 billion sticks of gum munched annually. Whoa. Am I crazy or is that a lot of gum? I feel like that's a lot of gum. <laughs> I feel like there was some sort of gum craze just yeah. happening. The marketing is working. Yes. In 1921, he fully owns the Chicago Cubs. He buys the Cubs outright. Okay. In 1925, he became the first owner to announce the games on the radio. And there was a a tension between club owners and the radio because you'd be giving away the game for free. Oh. Oh. Okay. They hadn't thought about advertising dollars and all that. Yeah. So everyone thought this was a really foolish thing for him to do. But attendance skyrocketed at the Cubs. Wow. Did they get like a free stick of gum with each ticket? (laughs) Oh, probably. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Yeah, and this is I'm including this. I'll do a history of the Cubs later. Yeah. But this is just another way. This is just another way he innovated. Yes. During World War I, he returned to the physical and mental health benefits, and his product became a must-have for soldiers. Wow. So it became part of the kit or whatever that the government would issue to soldiers? Yes. Wow. Okay, now you've got a market. Now you've got a captive audience. Uh-huh. And... By 1931, Wrigley's ad budget is six million, which is rounding down a okay 121 million by today's standards. Wow! So then it's interesting because he got his foot in the door, so to speak, because of the 1907 recession, and now he's doing even better during the Great Depression. Yes! Wow! Wow. Yeah. He dies in 1932. Okay. And he was one of the richest men in the country. And I want to underscore, this is something people don't understand about Chicago. Okay. Is we had Montgomery Ward. Okay. Which is the first mail-order catalog company. Mm -hmm. We had Marshall Field. Okay. We had Richard Warren Sears. Yes. And... Alva Curtis Roebuck. Wow. So the four big department stores. Wow. 
Yeah, we had, there are turtle wax, the amount of companies and money that was in Chicago. I don't even think about it. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, Marshall Field, he was a Jeff Bezos of the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wrigley from the early days, some people credit him with it. Some people credit his son, PK, who replaced him, um, were progressive. And they gave employees weekends off and provided free medical care and life insurance. Wow. Could you imagine anything like that? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, you have to have your weekends off so that you can keep chewing your gum. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, you got to be able to chew your gum. You can't, like, yeah. I'm now imagining a workforce where, and this goes particularly skeeves me out after the, the COVID thing. Just imagining people making the gum on the line, just chewing oh. gum constantly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, PK takes over. Okay. And he also inherits the Cubs. He didn't become the team president until 1932. And he said, quote, when you own a club, you get the blame for what happened. So you might as well be president. Okay. That's such a great attitude to have. I'm glad we don't have that attitude in this country anymore. <laughs> And it's interesting because I couldn't find a lot about the younger Wrigley, okay. except for as it applies to the Cubs. Okay. Um, he did continue the direct mail campaign and expanded it to sending sticks of gum to toddlers in a letter inferring that turning two is the perfect time to take up a gum habit. A gum habit. I was waiting for a gum habit to enter. And of course, we're, okay, it's gum. It's fairly innocuous, but it's the same thing that tobacco companies did. Start them young. Wow. Toddlers chewing gum. I, okay. I granted that was back when we didn't care about kids, but to start them at two years old with the gum. Started with two. Really, all I could think about when I heard this is the actual Halloween candy conspiracy we <laughs> yes. endure every year. Yes. It's actually just getting mailed to you. Yes, I know. Yes. Here's some cocaine laced candy for your kids and also some gum. Yes. <laughs> Said that gum was better than, quote, modern soft food, end quote, <laughs> claiming and perhaps. More ludicrously, it could ease the pain of teething. Oh, no. <laughs> That's what Novocaine is for. <laughs> also, call me stupid, but uh -huh. don't you need teeth to looks for word chew gum? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're literally cutting your teeth on gum. Okay. <laughs> You're literally cutting your teeth on gum. And what this medicinal element does, even though it's legit and it's breaking boundaries, it does have so much of that supplement energy to it. Yes. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. Now with Alex, your drink. <laughs> yeah. Alex Jones and his stupid <laughs> toothpaste. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised Wrigley didn't do a pivot to crypto. Uh, he he would have. Wrigley could have invented the first crypto gum. Whatever <laughs> the hell that would be. <laughs> yeah. 
I digress. Okay. Yes. I, I think we've digressed a couple of times. It's fine. I love the digressions because it's, too. you know, gum. He, PK, looks to his father's approach during World War II. And this is from a New York Times article announcing his death. Quote, but while the baseball team went into decline in the World War II years, his gum company burgeoned. Wrigley produced 600 million sticks of gum a month at the height of the war, and all went to the armed forces. None was produced for civilian consumption. One stick went into every soldier's ration package. The GIs used chewing gum as a bartering agent formed the backbone of much army humor. Wrigley continued to advertise in the Emirates through, with pictures of its fame, spearmint gum above these words, remember the rapper. Wow. So Wrigley was basically a government contractor. With gum. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, like, meanwhile, like being like to the people who not at, not fighting, the people at home, yeah. someday you'll be able to have this again. Yes. Yeah. So someday you'll have your nylons and your coconut and your bananas and your chewing gum again. Because bananas were also rations. Yes. Yes. As we learned in the Twinkie episode. Yes. Yes. Again, I can't even imagine what would happen if we asked people to ration now. There's no way we could get people to ration. No. No. And. By the end of the war, PK's net worth was over $100 million from gum. Wow. And he was also growing his real estate portfolio, which now involved Catalina Island off of uh, the L.A. Orange County coast. Wow. He owned that. Okay. Okay. Wow. Now, the Cubs were in a very famous multi-decades slump yes in 1940 pk hired journalist jim gallagher as the gm because he was a writer and not a manager that experiment failed i was gonna say what (laughs) okay 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 you have a, a beloved but failing baseball team and your solution is to hire a journalist as a manager that that has like a john hughes comedy written all over it it does it's just just because you're a sports writer does not mean you can no. be a general manager of <laughs> oh a team in an infamous slump yeah now a hundred and eight years that it lasted yes okay wow um, the the Doubleman twins. Do you remember the Doubleman twins? Yes, yes. They double your pleasure, double your fun. Something with Doubleman gum. Yes. <laughs> they premiered in 1960. Wow. Originally portrayed by Joan and Jane Boyd, and it was followed by a lot of other twins, including Tia and Tamara Mowry. Oh, sister, sister. Yes. Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. That campaign went on for a long time. Yeah. 
stepped down in 1961. Okay. His son, William Wrigley okay. III, who might have been William Wrigley Jr. There's another junior in there somewhere. It's, okay. But he yeah. becomes CEO. William Wrigley becomes CEO. Okay. For lack of confusion purposes, I'm going to call him the third or okay. Trey. Okay. He assumes control of the Cubs after his father's death. I'd like to point out that as I'm researching this, I'm not finding a lot about gum. But a lot about who controls the Cubs. I love it. And I love the idea that <laughs> you can inherit a sports team. Yes. That just seems so weird. And I like, I can't remember what team it was, but there was some team that like the owners got divorced and it was like they had to determine who was going to keep the team. I don't remember what sport it was, but just the idea that it's a commodity that you can own and the way it's a weird concept. It is a weird concept, and I really do feel like PK or the Wrigglers were much more interested in the Cubs than the business of gum. Yeah. But that's, again, another episode. It's another pivot because what? So started with soap, then baking powder, then gum, then baseball. Yeah. (laughs) And real estate. Okay. I forgot about the real estate. Okay. Yeah, because they also have... Uh, a building, the Wrigley Building in Chicago, which okay. was the home of Wrigley Chewing Gum. Okay. Uh, and that was 1921. Wow. In 1974, a pack of juicy fruit gum is the first product to have a barcode scan. Oh, oh that's so cool. Hey. Yes, it was in Marsh Supermarket in Troy, Ohio. Whoa, okay. Wow. And they chose that item to be the first thing to be scanned to see if the scanner would work on such a small item. Oh, okay. I thought about getting into the background of uh, scanning technology, but it's just really technical. Yeah. And I was a theater major. Yeah. The only thing that I know about scanning technology is that it measure it. It doesn't measure the black bar. It actually measures the space between. That's the only thing I know about it. It's very complicated and it's been, it was a multi-decade process. And younger listeners. What president was it who was like, went to a grocery store and was fascinated by the scanner? Well, like they, that... they'd never seen it. Like it, it, it wasn't that they'd never seen it, but they, I, I think it was like Bush Senior went into a grocery store and was like so amazed at like the technology or something. I can see, yeah, Bush Senior. I can see, uh, any of our favorite presidents except for Barack Obama. <laughs> just being like, just what sorcery is. So you were talking about younger listeners. I I interrupted you. Again, we digress. This does actually think about that there was like my first job. I worked at a hair salon and I'd have to add a product. And you'd have to like manually enter it into. You didn't scan anything. No. There was a time when we didn't have barcodes. Yeah. But this is why. I was going to have you do this episode with me, but this is the moment where I'm like, I got to do this. Okay. Because 
a stick of gum with an indescribable flavor is the mark of the beast. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, we need to rewind. How is it the mark of the beast? Remember <laughs> Scanny? Oh, oh, that's right. Because people, yeah, the, oh, that's right. Yes, people were like freaked out that it, yeah, it did something. I do remember hearing about some sort of like satanic panic about barcodes and stuff. They're still that way. We're going to get into it a little bit. Okay. Um, I tried to find something to explain this conspiracy theory. Okay. Something about all barcodes, including the number. 666 and okay. going back to revelations chapter 13 verse 17 which okay. says no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark that is the beast name or the number that stands for his name because okay. i don't i i can explain flat earth theory to you but they think that every two things they think that every barcode includes the number 666 so that's the mark of the beast which is weird yes because most conspiracy theories want the end times that's and that's what i've always yes that's what i've that's always confused me it's okay uh, yeah and then it, it seems okay what little i do know about that type of technology is that if it is like a binary code wouldn't it be a series of just zeros and ones yes Okay. This is conspiracy theory. Okay, true. Okay, fair enough. They also thought that the vaccine was going to be the mark. And also, and more in the Alex Jones kind of vacillates between these two. But it also has something to do with one world government. Okay. That that you can be scanned and microchip. It's the microchip. It's the early. Oh, okay. Okay. And funnily enough, I frequently shop. At the Walgreens that is in the Wrigley building. Oh, where, okay. Where I buy items requiring age verification. And they always ask, not always, predominantly, they ask if it's okay to scan the back of my ID. Okay. This is the only place in the city where someone asks if it's okay. Because it's in a high tourism area. Oh. And I asked, do people get upset if you scan their IDs? And they said, yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. Why? (laughs) I remember there was a... If you listen to Alex Jones, like how he didn't want to have a a QR code. Okay. But that... Okay. It's like government surveillance. Okay, okay. But they were invented in Japan, and like QR codes were like, I don't know, they're they're a very quote-unquote old technology. Giving any... (laughs) I'm not giving any readings to it or understanding. (laughs) I just know that people are really paranoid about having their shit scanned. Yeah, I, yeah. And... Okay. Huh think it would be hilarious if these dum-dums knew the whole connection between the gum and the scanner. They don't know that the Wrigley Building is ground zero for the mark of the beast in one world government. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. That's, it's, 
great city you brought there, Alyssa. Yes. Not really to mention, the... y'all dye your river green on St. Patrick's Day. And that's that's actually, yes, uh, the Wrigley Building is on the river. Yes. It's also yes. right next to Trump Tower. Okay. So it's all right there. It's just it's all right there. It's all right there. And so that's a little the scanner part. That was pretty cool. Mark of the Beast. In 1976, Big Red appears on the market. Oh, okay. Now we've got my jam. I love Big Red. Do you remember what their original slogan was? Oh, I don't. It's big, it's red. (laughs) It's a little longer. Okay. So now I think Wrigley's just trolling people. Oh, okay. With cinnamon gum. It's clearly code for the devil. Uh I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis. So I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere. You know, the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples. And so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. 
Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Oh, I guess it would be. Okay, I can see that now. And then kiss a little longer. Okay. That encourages degenerate lifestyle. Oh, and it's funny. The high school I went to, North Central in Spokane, Washington, we, our school colors were black and red. So we referred to ourselves as Big Red. Well, it, yes, you could either be the devil or completely inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, yes, it could, or both, both. Yes. Why not both? I remember my friend had a Big Red sleeping bag that was and this is back into the mark goes back to the marketing again because yeah. her dad tell me it smelled like cinnamon i don't know that it smelled like cinnamon but it oh, looks like a stick of gum okay i love that and it seemed normal but as i was preparing this episode i'm like what seven-year-old wants a sleeping bag with a stick of gum was it like do they have wrigley points marlboro point her dad owned a pharmacy okay I don't know. It okay. could have been a, <laughs> a promotional item or something. Yeah. I don't want to. But yeah, because I'm just like that. Was, now that I'm like at, at this age, I'm like, that was weird. But that's a tale as old as time. We look back on something from our childhood and it's what in the hell even was that? <laughs> yeah. Who wants? Yeah. Okay. PK dies in 1977. Okay. In 1996, it's announced, I found an article announcing that the, that they're closing a plant in Santa Cruz. Okay. In 1999, Trey dies and William IV becomes the CEO. Uh, okay. Does he also own the Cubs? Okay. Yeah. I can't remember when they got, okay. I can't remember when they got rid of the Cubs. It might've been, I want to say in the 2000s. I Okay. I didn't pursue that rabbit hole too much longer. Okay. Got it. Because uh, at one point in time, the Cubs were bought by the Tribune Company. Oh, okay. Which is across the street from the Wrigley Building. <laughs> at least it's all still in the same neighborhood. And I, <laughs> I yeah, I love it. <laughs> yes. In 2005, they purchased Lifesavers and Altoids from Kraft Foods for $1.5 billion. In 2006, William IV steps down, and the first non-family member takes the helm. Okay. They hire William Perez, who is the former CEO of S.E. Johnson Wax and Nike. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And... In 2008, Mars, in conglomeration with uh, Warren Buffett's company. Oh, okay. Berkshire Hathaway or something? Yes, Berkshire okay. Hathaway. They announced that they are acquiring Wrigley for $23 billion, or about half of what Elon paid for Twitter. 
whoa, okay, wow. I, I We live in such a world, weird world that gum is a better investment than a media company. That's <laughs> so weird. It's so, because, <laughs> and shortly thereafter, Dushan Duke Petrovich becomes the CEO. And Wrigley stops becoming a publicly traded company. It gets more absorbed and more in Mars. Berkshire Hathor, Hathaway sells there. But really, I would just wrote after that, who cares? Pretty much. <laughs> At this point, it's just another consumer product. But what happened is in around that time, maybe a little earlier, kids start chewing less gum. Oh, no. Oh, no. And as we noted in the ar article, as I noted in the article about Twinkies, yes. more and more people are paying attention to things called ingredients. Yes. Oh, no, this can't be good. <laughs> Gum sales have been slowing for over a decade. Okay. In 2009, Wrigley sales were $4.12 Okay. In 2020, they were 3.15 billion. Okay. And I watched a CNBC video that pretty much prior to 2020, okay, sales were flatlining. Wow. They were just like people, kids weren't chewing gum, but older people were probably still chewing gum. They had the gum yeah. habit from when they were two. Exactly. Yeah. That you pick up that <laughs> nasty gum habit as a toddler and you just cannot kick it. Family, life, <laughs> communities have been destroyed right. by this gum epidemic. Yes. But sales started to further decline during COVID. I would imagine. Because one of the reasons people chew gum, despite the medicinal purposes, yes. is to not have bad breath. Yes. And if you're not going to meetings. Yes. You don't need to as much gum. Yeah, you can just funk up your house as much as you want. <laughs> much like I am because I didn't brush my teeth before I did this podcast. Exactly. Yes. Wow. Uh, so in 2016, by the way, Mars merged Wrigley with their chocolate arm of their company. Okay. They own like Cadbury and stuff, like all of those kind of chocolate companies. Yeah, the video that I'm going to include in the show links talked a lot about the candy and confectionery market. Yes. Which talks about all the mergers and Wrigley was much more to me, much more interesting when it was a family owned business. Yes, it really. Yes. You've got baseball, you've got gum, you've got barcodes. What's not to love? And I didn't include, but I'll include it in the links. One of the Wrigley's now, Bo, I think his name is, tried to get into the cannabis business. Uh, okay. And it's getting sued a lot. Oh, I've always wondered, like, that's almost perfect. Like, cannabis gum. Yeah, I don't know that he was going to do gum, but he was going to oh. get the cannabis, but that would be good. Okay. But yeah, it, and then it was some, it looked sketchy. It was a whole another rabbit hole that I'm like, eh. yeah. Um, and and his name's Bo. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now we're just into multi-generational money with a guy who wants to have a business. Yeah. Which is way different than a guy who started out as a drummer. Yes, exactly. Yes. So here are the list of Wrigley's U.S. offerings. Okay. We have Juicy Fruit, which came out in 1893, as well as Spearmint. That came out the same year. Double Mint, 1914. 
Friedent, 1975. Okay. Big Red, 1975. Hubba Bubba. Oh, okay. Extra. Okay. Which we've already discussed. Extra. Winter Fresh. I remember that. Orbit. Yes. Which came out a couple times. Yes. Eclipse. Hmm. And Five. Five. It seems like I've heard of Five. Yeah. I was really hoping that Wrigley would have been the company responsible for Fruit Stripes gum, which was my favorite gum as a kid. That and what was it like? Fruit tape or fruit? No, that that gum tape. And it was. Yeah. Yeah. I also really like Big League Chew. Yes. Yes. That would just. It was a fun way to introduce kids to the joys of chewing tobacco. (laughs) One of the things I actually came up because baseball, two things associated with baseball are chewing gum, which I'm going to say Wrigley had a hand in that. Yes. Yes. And chewing tobacco. Yes. And recently with the, the World Series with the Astros being in the playoffs, of course, I was watching the thing I cannot stand when I'm watching a baseball game is when I see them spit. And it was like oh. every single time, like they would be talking to someone and just spit, spit. It's like you're, you're focusing on their mouth. Do not do that. <laughs> uh, spitting is right up there with gum chewing post-COVID for me. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's just, ugh. It's, okay. Yeah. Remember when I mentioned crypto? Okay. Yes. That wasn't sarcasm, but rather foreshadowing. Uh, okay. Last spring in oh, 2023, God. according to Crypto Times, God, okay, they trademarked Juicyverse. No way. Yeah, absolutely no way. Alex, okay. <laughs> it, because I really only vaguely understand this world and yeah. have zero idea how to translate it into prose. Yeah. I'm going to quote from the Crypto Times. I really hope that the Crypto Times is a print media publication. <laughs> I don't know. I really want a Crypto Times magazine. <laughs> I'm your, you go to the doctor's office. Exactly. <laughs> so they say, The trademark application demonstrates that the company will facilitate Web3 services as a result of which the company will offer downloadable image files, including images of artwork, confectionery, candy, or snacks authenticated by blockchain technology-based non-fungible tokens, NFTs. That, That sure was a lot of words that you just quoted. Looks like they're going to do NFTs. Okay. That's our work of for, for, candy, for gum. Oh, okay. gum, the the board ape, but they're gonna make instead of having a sleeping bag this big red, you can buy okay. an NFT <laughs> of a sleeping bag of big red. Okay. I every time I hear about NFT, I feel like I learn more, but then I realize I've learned nothing. But that's how I, I that's every time how I feel when I learn about either their crypto or NFTs, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. And then I'm like, I don't understand any of them. No. Yeah. The I way mean, that and it- NFTs were described to me is that, 
okay, you you are married to someone, you have the marriage certificate, but everyone else gets to sleep with them. That sounds about right. Okay, like, yeah. Or if you buy art, but it's on loan? It's something. Yeah, I could, I, yeah. It confuse and this part gets more confusing to me as to what Wrigley's doing here. Additionally, the application shows a keen interest in showcasing a range of products such as movie clips, music, confectionery, and digital avatars for use in the virtual world created for entertainment purposes. Oh, okay. So let me see if I can... I'll, I will repeat to you what I heard. So you can buy an avatar who is chewing gum? I guess so. Oh, okay. Okay. Or maybe there's a character called Juicy Fruit. That, okay. It doesn't really go into detail. Okay. And the article goes on to say, specifically, the Wrigley Company intends to offer a virtual atmosphere where, quote, users can interact for recreational, artistic, leisure, or entertainment purposes, end quote. What's your words? I, I don't, I, yeah, again, that was a lot of words that you just said. Okay, so, uh, okay, if I'm understanding it correctly, it's where go, we'll be like in the metaverse or whatever, chewing yes. gum. It's like okay. a metaverse thing. I don't understand. I feel like they've lost the thread here. Yeah. Buying a baseball field makes sense. Yes. Delving it's a into the thing. Yes. Delving into crypto. Yeah. Is or NFTs. Yes. A particularly in 2023. Yes. And I, I just, okay. Wrigley began as a snake oil salesman. And then the, the story's ending with a snake oil salesman in the form of crypto and NFTs and the what have yous. Okay. If nothing, we just, we haven't learned our lesson. That's all it is. It's so true. Yeah. It really is just, I didn't even see the art. Like, like, (laughs) I didn't even, because I researched, I pulled the article and I'm like, it's weird. The end story is cannabis and crypto. Okay. Yeah. But that said, like direct mail campaigns, Wrigley ads penetrated their way into an eternal zeitgeist. Yes, yes. Much like we will remember Tucker complaining about not thinking the green M&M is sexy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. People who have no idea about the Doublemint Twins advertisements will continue to hear them referenced. Yes. And they'll be similar to the kids who've never watched Ferris Bueller. I just, I still can't. I, I can't. That is, that's heartbreaking. And again, I weep for the future. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where you just sit and you're just like, there's so many things in the zeitgeist that it's like, do kids understand? Sometimes I'm going to show my age, but I'll refer to like a music as an album, even though it's a oh, okay. The, it's, yeah. just, it's just easier because like, there's shorthand about it. I don't think, I, oh, I bought that album or I bought yeah, that yeah. CD. Yes. But yeah, it's like people, it's like a whole generation of kids that might not know what CDs are. Yes. And then yeah. there's that that meme or whatever that goes around that someone 
like 3D printed the save icon and as we've come full circle or in so many like movies, TV shows, et cetera, et cetera, we have the proverbial record scratch. And like, mm-hmm. how long is it going to be until kids are like, or watching a movie and there's a record scratch? What is that? What's that noise? What is that? Wow. Or even having to dial a phone. Yes. Yes. We're talking, we talked about when you call the operator, but even like having to dial the phone. Yes. Yes. And wait for it to like the rotary dial. Yes. And it, God forbid you accidentally dialed the the actual wrong number or or you didn't let it go all the way through then you had to start all over again yeah oh god yeah that would be yeah oh but to I say mean, back... nothing of the horrors that was uh t9 texting back in the day oh or if you <laughs> wanted to go offline you just took your phone off the hook yes yes <laughs> and it would just make, eventually make just a horrible noise yes yes yeah so wrigley might not own the gum dynasty anymore but their legacy lives on like the mark of the beast in scannable items. Wonderful. Long after they moved out, an iconic office building still bears their name, as well as a sports stadium and a neighborhood called Wrigleyville, which is where the sports stadium is. They do not, as far as I know, pay for naming rights. In fact, I think if they tried to rename Wrigley as the ballpark is known, an entire nation would riot. Oh, of course. Yeah. Inside the friendly confines. And in fact, in wordplay, there's a dog park called Wiggly Field. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Wrigley Field. I'm sorry. Wrigleyville. And it's not a gum-based amusement park. I'm sorry. I, no, it's the whole neighborhood surrounding yeah. where, where the stadium is. But there should be a gum-based amusement park, Wrigleyville. There should be, but that was that was not on the horizon. Okay, yeah, that, that was they not were, in their portfolio. They were busy trying to make the Cubs a winning team by hiring journalists. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they took their literal eye off the ball. Yes. <laughs> When I look at the current batch of rich people, though, yeah. I don't see people naming neighborhoods or parks oh. or anything after Bezos or Musk. Oh, no, there really right. isn't. Yeah. Unless they pay for it. Yes. The fabric of Chicago is this crazy little gum grifter company. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's Chicago in a nutshell, really. I like to say we're we're a town founded on fires, grift, and booze. Yeah, yeah. Throw in a little serial killers there. (laughs) You've got it. (laughs) Yeah. So do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts? So I knew I was coming in blind to this episode. I had no idea I was going to walk away with such a prolific understanding of chewing gum. And then <laughs> the only thing I could have predicted at, by the end of this episode is that I would know exactly the same amount as I did yesterday on cryptocurrency and NFTs. <laughs> yes. I know ex- I have the exact same level of information, but Wrigley, I knew that the field was named after the gum company, but I had no idea that there was basically a gum dynasty and gum heirs and 
that one day we will be sitting around chewing gum in the metaverse. Because that's really, that's what the holidays are all about. Just a couple of buddies sitting around chewing gum. That is totally it. And in the metaverse, because that's exactly, oh, I would just, I had to include that part, even though I don't understand crypto, because it's one of the weirdest shifts I've ever seen a company take. I know, yes. So thank you for being here. Listeners, thank, thank you for listening. Please hit the subscribe button before a toddler chokes on some juicy fruit. Leave us five-star review and tell all of your friends with the fervor of a Wrigley direct mail campaign. I also, love it. Thank you. Follow us on socials. Anywhere, where can people find you? Oh, all of the socials. So we're on Apple and Spotify, wherever you, you get your podcasts. We are spelled R-E-L, relationships, film, movies, reels, etc. And then you can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.